0: Welcome to Winning with Data Driven Marketing Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Was.ai Market Research. I'm Julie, your host in this podcast, and in every single episode, we talk to industry leaders, marketers, and growth experts in Asia about how they use data to enhance the ROI in their marketing activities. We bring you real case studies while giving you background on how these leaders built their career to where they are today. Joining me today is Henry Peterson, a fractional CMO who has over 20 years of experience in B2B marketing for software companies such as Des and Microsoft. Henry is now also the CMO of Brand2B who work with startup founders, executive to deliver sustainable and profitable growth. Now, for those of you who have been following our podcast You'll be no stranger to henrik because he's also our podcast speaker for our fifth episode where he shares a lot of insights and best practices about how to use data and market orientation to create a winning strategy now our conversations were so uh were so fruitful that we have to actually bring in henrik for the second episode and this episode we're going to go through a little bit deeper into several myths that we believe our target audience are also curious about so before that Hello, Henrik. Welcome to join us again.
1: Hi, Julie. Uh, thanks for inviting me back. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast with you again.
0: Yeah. Um, in our last conversations, right, you mentioned to me something that we actually didn't get to cover. You sh- you shared that you actually talked to a uh, quite a number of business owners. Um, so I am personally curious, right, as a business owner myself, what are the insights that you can share with us after so much uh, conversation around business owners around around what's their view around marketing?
1: Yeah. um, Yes, I do get, I have the opportunity to join, uh, I I try to join as many, uh, uh, you know, opportunities I can to meet with business owners. I think there's a couple of things that, uh, you know, I've observed is that they generally feel, or say generally they often do not have a marketing background. Uh, and they often have a lot of question a bit of frustration sometimes with with marketing where they feel like it's a very cluttered uh, world where um yeah. we you know in marketing we talk about a lot of things that doesn't always make a lot of sense to to how they think about business so um so that's one observation is that just they feel like marketing is it's a really uh, cluttered space and we talk about a lot of new things marketers we lot talk about new shiny a new giant tools, a new way of doing things. Um and then the second part is the question I get almost always is so how can marketing help grow our business? Uh, and a lot of times they have already invested in marketing, right? So they have been doing things maybe for for a long time and they often feel like it's not they don't really see the the results that they were hoping for. And so and again it usually focused around how do we grow the business? How do we bring value to the business? Uh so I think t- today maybe we can talk about that. I would love to share more about that, I even discuss like why why is it that you know they have at least have the perception that marketing is not working. And I think very often it has to do with the not understanding the how marketing brings value. Uh and of course, also sometimes maybe marketing is not doing what we should be doing, but I think very often it's it's just that we, as marketers, we're not good at explaining in the the language and the terminology that, that business owners and also very often finance use to determine value, business value.
0: Yeah, Uh I can see, I can see how that too. Things is what a lot of business owners may find hard to grasp, especially when they don't have a marketing background, right? So I'm very interested to go into the second question, up uh, like the second uh, insights that you mentioned, like so, how to grow business with marketing, right? So in our just now, before we we joining in the in the podcast session itself, you mentioned a couple of things that um if we can simplify the marketing concepts, right, um uh on how do they actually help to grow the business? How would you? Can you talk a little bit more about that part?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so I think um, when you, if you had to put the hat on as a business owner or as a CFO or a finance person, right? When they look at one venue, what they're usually looking for is growth, uh, growth in the terms of you know revenue growth, uh, entering new markets, uh, market penetration, you know, winning a higher of, of the existing market. Um, so growth is typically one bucket they're looking at. The second one is, is profitability or margins. How do we uh, either retain or maintain our margins? Or how do we increase our margins? Right. Those are the two things they're usually looking for. And you, another way of breaking it down is to look at uh, what you can say is the the reach of your company. How do we increase the reach? That means how do we reach more customers? How do we get more consumers, customers, buyers to to buy our products or use our services? Um, and then the this, this second part uh, is around basically you call it sell more. How do we expand the wallet? So uh, once we get a customer, how do we get them to, how do, we, first of all, how do we get to keep them? And how do we get them to uh, buy more products? And like I said, the, the third one really is is the margins. How do we maintain healthy margins for our products? Right. And I think the, the good news is there, or maybe not so much news, but like the good story that like marketing can actually help on all three. Uh um, right. So we are well positioned to help with both growth but also with margins. And, and I think the the main uh where main area where marketing can help is really around the building the company's brand. Right. So um and again this is I think both consumer and also B2B. So I would say my, most of my experience actually is in B2B, right? But for B2B brand also, like there's a lot of value in, in strengthening your brand. Right. A stronger brand means you know, you can reach more people. More people will know your brand. Uh, more people will consider your brand. Um, but also, a strong brand uh, typically also can uh, demand higher premiums, higher pricing. So, so yeah, so that's that's where I think we, as as marketers, we need to figure out what we talk about. This, so even though we are working on social media or digital or events, we need to figure out how do we tie the conversation back to what we do in terms of value to how to. How do we help the companies reach more, sell more, and increase margins? Uh,
0: there is also a lot of times that I, I heard um, marketers saying, um, "I really want to grow the brand because I see that as a sustainable way to grow." Um, but my my direct report or my business owner actually are impatient, um, and actually keep on asking me about how does marketing drive growth in, in this month, in next month, in in this quarter. Uh, so I find myself. Uh, um, uh, marketers may sometimes find themselves only available to the short term techniques. Uh, what's your view on that?
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think that's very common in in companies. that I, I think in the last couple of decades, also, I think we're seen that shift where, I think as marketers, we have kind of seen that okay, we need to justify, uh, the ROI uh, or what we're doing. Uh, right, and the easiest way to do that very often is to focus on. On activities that typically has a very short term uh, ROI, right? So that means we we focus more and more on, on uh, I mean the the language I think we often use is demand gen, lead gen, performance marketing, right? Things we can measure this month, this quarter, and say, look, we spent you know fifty thousand dollars this quarter on performance marketing, and these are the leads we got back. They're in the pipeline now, so hence this is our ROI on this. So I, I definitely agree that that is that is that is a trend and has been a trend, uh, I think. And we can cover that today also here, right? I think when you talk to business owners, I think if you when you explain some of this concept around why a, it's important also to invest in your brand, they, they do actually get it. I think very often you're just not very good enough at explaining it as, as marketers, right? So I think they do see the value of the brand when you ask business owners, you know, don't you want your brand to be have a famous brand, a, a trusted brand? They absolutely do. Right. And they same when you talk to finance, they also see the value of a brand. I think one way to explain this is to uh, to use the, the sales funnel or funnel. Um, so whether you like it or dislike the user funnel, but the funnel actually is a very good way to illustrate this, right, where typically you have the funnel where you have awareness, uh, preference, uh awareness consideration preference and, and, and buying uh, and then you well you add loyalty at the end maybe um, right but you can say again if you kind of illustrate saying like if nobody knows your brand well that means nobody's gonna be you know considering your brand and the end very few people is gonna gonna buy your brand. Right. So they illustrating that putting some numbers in place and saying right now only two percent of the market knows about our brand. That means we are kind of limited to a very small piece of, of the overall market. And I think the other thing also we can use is around price premium. Very often when you are don't have a strong brand, you very often have to discount uh, your pricing to 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 get the, the deal, which you get is not ideal, right? Because you are looking to to increasing or uh, earning higher margins to create a profitable business. So I think those are the, some of the ways to, to explain it, but I'm happy to also, we can kind of going to that also a little bit later to kind of find other ways to kind of illustrate why it's important to build your, your brand awareness and your um strength of your brand.
0: Yeah. Uh um maybe if this is a good time we can also go into it now. Like how do we know when is the right time to for us to start investing in building brands? Um and and when we say investing brands, I think a lot of people uh, wouldn't necessarily disagree. But there is also the questions around like, um, other than how much to invest, when to invest, and what exactly does investment in brand entails?
1: Yeah, good question. Huh? So I, I definitely, like I said, like when I've, I've uh, some of the talks I've, uh, I've been to and, and meeting business owners, sometimes uh, I do meet with business owners who are startup founders who are just very, very, say, very early stage in their business where. They are still kind of exploring their business model. They still haven't figured out, you know, whether we are this kind of company or that kind of company. Right. So at that point, I would say it's probably too a bit too early to spend, put too much effort into, you know, building a, a, a brand doesn't mean you can't do something. You still need to figure out, of course, test the market and, and try and get some customers to prove your business model. Uh, but I probably wouldn't put in a, a lot of investment into building a building brand because brand building does take time. It's not something you build over a quarter, like right? it's it's a year-long and multi-year uh, sometimes multi-decade investment you need to build on, right? But then to the other part also like if you never get started, yeah then you you never get there. Um but if you're really that early stage and you're still in that phase where you're still exploring different uh business model, uh, it's probably a little bit too early. Right. So if I can find another way of kind of putting that out, you say like think about yourself when you are uh, you are young, but like uh, <laughs> we've been a bit late. But uh for young people maybe who are still in their early, like in their teens and twenties, trying to figure out uh what do I want to be like, right? It's like so it all the compass to define your own brand. Am I gonna be a a lawyer? Am I gonna be a doctor? I'm gonna be a professional football player, I don't know what whatever your ambitions might be, right? But when we're young, we're still trying to figure out who we're gonna be, right? And I kinda see that's the same as an early stage startup. Sometimes we, you know, we have one idea of how the product can be used, but then as we start talking to customers, we figure out actually it can also be used in a totally different way. And we figure out that actually our business is not really in the analytics space, it's in something else. It's in the data cleansing space, right? Um, so that's kind of like the same when you're young. You still try to figure out who you are. Once you, I think once you've got to determine, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer. Yeah, then you can start investing in getting the right education, building the right networks, buying the right clothes to be a lawyer. I don't know. <laughs> right? but, but before you make that decision, it's probably a bit too early. So that's kind of like a different way to kind of explain like early stage. So um, once you've kind of identified what I would call your deliberate strategy, you know this is the market I'm going after and you have checked that this is there's a good size of market, then you can put a more deliberate strategy and budget in place to to go after that market.
0: Got it. Um, and once once say a, a a company um, already identified that you know they are in that space, what would you suggest uh, they kick started to to invest in uh, brand awareness and how does that differ with a more matured company?
1: Yes, I, I think actually the, the way I would look at it is to say. So like when I talk to to my clients and they come to me and say, like, how do we grow? I normally look for what are the barriers to grow, right? So the, of course, it, it varies, but typically and it, it very often, even if you are a startup with with some maybe a couple years of experience and you are an established uh, mid sized company, but you haven't really invested that in much before. Typically, I'll say there is a, a common uh, Around what are some of the barriers, right? So typically it's brand awareness. Nobody knows you exist, right? So you, you probably you build a fantastic product or a fantastic service, uh, but nobody knows you exist, so nobody's calling you, right? So how do we how do we get the world to know that we actually out there? We have a solution to to the the problem. Uh, the other challenge could also be that we are just not available so maybe our product is not available to to those customers in the form of um you know we can't sell this product in in that market or those set of customers right so how do we how do we make the product available and that could be both in terms of packaging distribution pricing right so how do we how do we fix that um but i would say in most cases when i talk to companies uh, and also like i said earlier most of them have already tried something right so usually they have already they have already on Google doing their Google ads. They have already maybe done some events. They have uh, maybe some telemarketing people doing telemarketing for them. They typically already tried that. So typically, the generally is that there's just not enough people, and it's back to the reach. They're just not reaching enough people, right? And also, the second one is, is nobody knows or nobody trusts that brand, right? So if you don't know a brand, very often it's, it feels very risky to buy a new brand. So I think those are typically the barriers. So then you could break that down and say, how do we fix? How do we remove those uh, barriers? Um, um, so that and that means how do we increase brand uh, awareness? How do we increase increase the brand consideration? And also, how do we capture more of the demand? So I I was thinking this morning, um, like you know, so, so and also part to like why do people not invest in brand? I think also. Part of the reason is also sometimes even as marketers, we maybe don't have a, an accurate understanding of how advertising actually works, right? We, there is this, I see this quite a lot. There is a belief that if we just run a campaign, uh, if you push out a campaign, whether that's an ad campaign or an email campaign, then it will persuade people to buy our product. Um, but when you think about it, and also if you look at all the research that's been done, that's not really how advertising works, right? Or uh, promotion works. I mean, sure, like you, you you can have examples where you show an ad and somebody sees you ad and says, "Okay, I need to buy your ice cream," or "I need to buy your product," right? Uh, but in in general, that's not how advertising works. And to kind of illustrate it, we, we can take an example, right? So I think a couple of weeks back, I had to ship a package to from Singapore to London, and I had to make sure it got there the next day. Uh, um so it has to be an express delivery and then to make sure that it was there and i i would know that you know it's on its way i want to be able to track the package right yeah. so so then you say now i have a job to be done i need to ship a package somewhere so already as soon as i kind of had you know i knew i had to do this i already in my mind i already had a few options in mind one of them was uh, dhl logistics because i've used them before probably because I knew that brand. And in my head, right, I kind of knew that they do express. And I also knew that they do tracking. So already now you could say, as soon as I have that need, I I, kind of my mind already knew one option at least I had, right? Sure, then I I went to Google to search, right, to look for their website. Um, And also when I search, I can see like in the Google search, there's a few other companies that come up. I can't remember the names. I was just express and express. Like there was a few other options, but these are not brands I know. Like, so you could say like, would I click on them? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was somebody, a brand I've seen before I might consider. it, But these are brands I've never heard of before. So would I take the risk of putting my package with somebody i never heard before? Maybe. Sometimes maybe I do. But most likely, we go with the brand we would know, which I did in this case, right? So, so you could say, um, you know, here the brand is really powerful because, uh, you know, it could have been another brand, right? But like, because I knew the brand, and I think that all the research we have, I think there was some LinkedIn uh, uh, reports also a while back that says most, at least in case of B2B buyers, most B2B buyers, when they start their buying journey or their buying research, they typically already have two to three brands in mind before they even start uh, researching. And at the end, 90%, I think it was, those B2B buyers end up buying from one of those three brands. So that means if your brand is not one of those brands, your chances of, of getting that deal is, is quite small, right? And that's really the challenge for a small brand is if nobody knows us. And even if they get to see our ads, they're less likely to click on it, less likely to respond to it because we're just not a known familiar brand. So you could say, if I go back to the argument before when you say, okay, but if ads really work by persuading people to buy, then you would think if, if you showed me an ad today, uh, right? If I see an ad today that says we can ship packages to London, would that persuade me to buy? The answer is no, right? Because I don't have a job to do anymore. My packages are being shipped. So right now I don't have a need. So you can't really persuade me to buy anything, right? So um so maybe we say, okay, but then if I show you the ad, maybe you remember my ad next time. But but again, all the research shows that typically, especially with like with sales promotion, uh, and I would consider most Google ads or any other search engine you know, or advertising, if it's very sales promotion, we have a tendency as buyers to kind of ignore those. And they're not very effective in terms of generating uh brand memories. Right. So that, and which is what we need to do to to generate a uh, Brand awareness and, and brand uh, consideration. Um, so, so what we we kind of can learn from that is that advertising really goes back to the, the main purpose of, uh, of brand advertising is to create brand memories, so that next time I have a need, then you know the hopefully the brand memory will come up and say, okay, you need to use brand X to do this. Um, so it's both about creating brand awareness, but also not just awareness, because I might know the brand, but also linking my awareness or my brand memory to this specific buying situation.
0: I I like this uh, idea of thinking a lot because a lot of times um, we measure the ads that we put out directly to the bottom of the funnel of how many leads it got us. But It is also, in your case, um, going through the examples that you mentioned. How do I measure brand awareness and the brand memories that the ads have successfully created for the audience? Because technically, it will bring in more leads in the future. It's just not now. So it feels like a chicken and egg issue that we kind of have to balance between... in cases where it doesn't actually get us leads how do i know my ass is actually working when it comes to brand awareness and creating brand memories for me to keep justifying the investment
1: yeah so i think another probably the biggest i think challenge for for brand marketers or or marketers or brand managers is is how do we justify this how do we know it works right and i think that's also back to what we we talked about earlier right that's the reason why often we kind of fall back on just keep doing more performance marketing Keep doing more things that where we can show the results right now, and because it is difficult to show um, the, the the impact of building brand because it's it's not something you just you don't just show a couple of ads this week and then only you know you have the brand awareness. It takes a really long time, and even if, if so, the, you can measure part of this. You can um, you, you, there's some indicators you can use to say like is this working or not. But again, they move very slow, so it's. It's like it's almost like, you know, you can look at things like your direct web traffic. Like, do more people come to your website? Uh, that's one indicator. But again, for especially for small brands, the impact of the change will be so little that you probably won't see a difference in that quarter, right? Um, so I think the first step here is when you work with your finance team and with your business owner, you need to kind of set expectation here that it, it's not something you don't build. You don't become Nike or you know, uh, Salesforce overnight, right? It takes uh, a long time to do this. There are ways you can track this. Like I said, you can look at things like direct web web traffic, but again, you you need to monitor it over a longer period of time. Um, If you have budget, but again, for smaller brands, that's typically too expensive is to invest in brand tracking uh, surveys, panel surveys. Again, for small brands, I'm not a big fan of it because it's the 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 volume is so low that so it's really hard to get accurate data on it. Um, so it, it's something you need to kind of, kind of set expectations that it takes a while to to build that. Over time, you know, and we're talking probably a year, uh, you, you will start seeing improvements. And then what you're talking about over multiple years, you will start seeing improvement. right? But like setting the right expectation up front that, hey, yeah, we're going to invest some money here and then you won't see the results right now. Usually when you explained it, um, in my experience like finance business owners they do understand this uh right so we just need to be setting the right expectations and then i think then finding some metrics we feel like we can say over time we will monitor these and and make sure that it's it's you're seeing progress um it is i would say it is a challenge also because um like i said building brand or building a brand is not easy right Uh, there's a lot of different variables uh both in terms of like, are you reaching the right audience with your, whether that's ads or events, there's multiple ways you, you can do this. Um, but even if you're running, let's say you're running a advertising campaign, how do you know that people actually see your ads, right? I think it's, although we were promised something very differently in, what well, was that, a, you know a decade or two ago, with digital ads, digital ads were supposed to be easy to track and all this, right? But I think what we're seeing now is that actually it's even if you can measure impressions and all these things, it's, you know, you don't actually know if people have actually seen it. So you could talk about attention. If people actually, you actually capture people's attention, right? So, so I definitely acknowledge that, yeah, it's, it's a difficult um, difficult thing to track, but but there are ways to do it, I'll saying. Uh, but the first thing is to set the right expectations up front. In my experience like I said it's you will see it and also yeah I'm saying um we call it a, a misconception sometimes is that brand advertising doesn't generate any leads actually I my experience that's not true we, we do see leads also coming from brand advertising and when I say brand advertising it doesn't always have to be advertising I said that's multiple many ways you can build your brand it can just be you know being at the right events um uh, you know, finding other ways and reaching out uh, to, to your target audience. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's, you're definitely right that it's setting the right expectation there. So that people just say, hey, you spent 50000 on this and it didn't yield any results. So maybe you should stop doing it. And I think that's very often is the challenge is that we do these bursts of advertising and then we say, okay, now we've done it last quarter. We don't have to do it more this year. But actually, all the research shows you this needs to be a consistent approach. So you, when you do this, you need to look at say how do we spread the budget out so that it's not a stop stop thing, but it's something we run continually.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh talking about spreading the budget, uh, do you have any uh techniques that you can share with our audience on how to spread the budget in this case? Uh I think uh one uh, just now you mentioned using the sales funnel to illustrate, I can imagine you probably may also use one, one idea on top of my mind is using the sales funnel to also illustrate spreading the budget. I'm curious, what's your point of view? Would that be?
1: Uh, yeah, so like there isn't, I don't think there's a correct ratio whether you should spend 50% on brand building and 50% on your uh, demand capture. Um, I think it's finding a balance, or at least try to do both, uh, right? I, I, I've seen so many articles where people say either it's 80 20, 50 50. I don't think there's a, and I think it depends on where the company is at, right? And I think, uh, uh, but but I think the key thing is that you do both. Um, I think one thing to consider, I think especially for a smaller business where we don't have a lot of budget, um, it, you know, how do we, you know, how do we get enough coverage? So of course you might have to limit it. But I'll say one learning there is that it's it's better to get, um. I was just saying, like, it's better to show my ad to you once rather than, yeah, better to, to show my one my ad once to many people than to show my ad multiple times to a few people. So, if you had to choose that. So, when you work with your, Idea, if you can work with a media agency that can help you do this, right? But you do the the first one, is just to, it's better to get that first kind of attention on your brand than just focusing on a few. Days. So, I guess they, they go there to go for reach rather than more touches. And the reason there simply is once people have been exposed to your brand once, they are more more likely to buy from you, right? Showing a smaller group of people the same ad 10 times, uh, they might remember the brand, but you you get a much smaller reach. So I think one way of stretching your budget that way is say, go for reach rather than uh, more impressions. I think but that's unless you're really good at did you tell yourself, you, you probably need to work with a media agency to help you do this. And I think the other thing also to remember is that your brand campaigns typically are different than your sales promotion, right? So what we use typically in our performance marketing, the ad copy and all this, it, it, it doesn't work, right? So uh, like what is very sales promotion works really well for demand capture. It doesn't work that if it's not very effective in terms of building brand memories. So, right, so you do also need to invest in coming up with a brand campaign. And again, one learning from, from my side here is that investing in creating a, yeah, a a good creative campaign is is, is worth a lot, uh, right? Instead of trying to create new campaigns every quarter, I would say I'd rather spend a bit more on creating a really great campaign and then run it for a really long time. I know sometimes we as marketers, we get tired of seeing the same ad, same campaign. I want to work in, but reality is that most of our prospects they don't think about our brand every day, right? So, so even though we are tired of seeing that brand campaign, the, the, the market is not right. So, so I better spend a bit more to get a good creative campaign. And if you can afford to work with a creative agency to, to come up with that and then just run it for a very long time, I mean, I've run brand campaigns for more than a year, uh, and it, it works, uh, no problem there. So, instead of trying to keep coming up with new things, go with the same messaging, and also partly because. Building memories, memory structures in your prospects, in their mind, in their brain, right? It, it takes a, a lot of consistency. If we keep changing our messaging and we keep talking about different things, it, it's hard to kind of position your brand around a specific buying situation, right? So remember, that it's not just about brand awareness, it's also around linking it to a specific buying situation. So you, you could have <clears throat> cases where, you know, I mean, it's always good to have increased awareness, but if people don't associate your brand with a specific buying situation, even if they know your brand, they might not think about you in a specific situation, right? So um, I think the case study I read a while back was around Salesforce, right? Salesforce, really famous brand. Most people in, in B2B at least have heard about Salesforce. So you're asking, do you know Salesforce? They'll say, yes, I, I know the brand. So level of awareness, but you may not associate them with all the things they actually do, right? So they typically, most people know them for Salesforce automation CRM. You might not know them for other things, right? Around uh, customer support or service ticketing system, right? So I know I used to work with centers competing with them very often that, like, you you know, uh, people didn't associate their brand with, with doing these things. So that's why it's really important that we link. Brand building with specific buying situation. So but if I can go back to maybe like also like some of the observations, like when I like I say when I go back to a meeting with business owners. So I, I think very often the feedback from them is that we have, like I said, we have already invested in marketing and what I see very often, and I, also from my own experience in marketing, right, as marketers, we, like I said, we tend to over, over rotate and focus a lot on the, that bottom of the funnel. Um, and we, we often, we see teams struggle with this, right? And we try all kind of things, uh, you know, we, we do content marketing, right? We we package things up as content, educational content, even though it's full of marketing inside. And then we push it out, hoping somebody will download that, right? Um, we do, of course, like performance marketing, Google search, uh, which definitely, it's a good investment, right? But it only really targets the, the buyers who are in market to buy, right? Yeah. Um, but there's the things like if I just looked at my LinkedIn, like almost every day I get somebody contacting me on LinkedIn from somebody says, we can do your lead gen for you, right? You just, you pay us a hundred dollars a lead and we will do your lead generator for you. I've tried this. It never works. I mean, to be honest, I've never had experience where this works. They will send you some leads, but, you know, sales will just throw leads back. I'd also say these are not real leads, right? And so I think, again, it's when business owners come to me and say, we've tried all these things and it doesn't work. It's going back to the examples we used just before, right? Like, if, like you know, if you're trying to show me ads or you're targeting me, whether that's a telemarketing campaign or an email campaign or content syndication, we, we need to consider, well, one key concept is understanding of, you know, if you're total market, there is people who are in market and people who are out of market, right? So like I said earlier, now that I have shipped my package, I'm out of market. I'm not looking for somebody who's going to ship me. My- I could show you can show me all the ads you want. You can send me all the sales promotion. I don't have a job to get done, right? So um, so I think that's the first thing also we we very often forget is that as marketers, we we kind of forget that rule that we kind of target everyone and thinking that, well, they must respond, right? If I just send them or call them, so then they must be if my promotion is good enough, they will respond and come and buy our products right? But, but really only a small percentage often, of the market uh, is in market to buy, right? So if you are selling, like in my case, previously, if we're selling CRM software, I think companies on average buy a new CRM software every five, six years. So if you say every five years, that means like every year, only 20% of the market is actually in market to buy something. And that means if you look at it on a quarterly basis, it's just 5% of the market would be in market so it's we're kind of limited as a as a company in terms of how much we can sell this quarter because that's only that small piece. And you say, if then my company selling to those five percent, if I'm a small brand in that market, let's say I'm at three percent market share, I would basically only get three percent of that five percent. So it's it's really a tiny segment of the market we we can go after in terms of demand capture. Right. So instead, and that's where the brand building comes in again, we need to focus on how do we, uh, increase the awareness around our brands to all the people who are not currently in market so that once they are, you know, they have a need, they have a job to be done. We hopefully get one of the brands that they consider.
0: Got it. I, I really resonate with the idea of, um, we have to still advertise to the ones that is out market because by the time they are in market and when you advertise to them, like you see, they don't have, they don't have credibility and trust to, to actually put us into the consideration and we will then lose them. Um, You mentioned also in our previous conversations that if we only focus, keep on focusing off the bottom of the funnel as our technique, we will soon basically be stagnant and and has yeah. no way to move.
1: Yeah, and actually I've, I've- I've been there myself right in previous companies where we you know we were growing right? but then and I think the challenge sometimes as a marketer right we you know we, we do great the first quarter uh, right and we, we get some lead we generate some pipeline next quarter we are expected to do a bit more right um so and then a bit more a bit more every, every quarter is a bit more right at one point at some point you're gonna hit that that plateau where just there is you know you can't reach the if there's only five percent of the market out there, and based on our the size of our brand, like right, we can only, you know, if we're at three percent market share, brand, we we're not going to get eighty percent of the demand out there because, like I said earlier, people buy from brands they know, right? So we will only get a small piece of that. So eventually, you'll get to a point where, even if you have the budget, you simply cannot spend it on performance marketing, right? So um, that's not to say, like, I, 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 don't get me wrong, yet. again, I'm a big you know believing that we do need to do performance marketing we do need to have uh, demand capture campaigns um right but there's going to be a point where it, unless you invest in building a brand and reaching a big audience you're going to hit kind of like a ceiling where it's just really hard to keep growing quarter over quarter right so like i think especially in technology like we, we've been asked every quarter to do 15 more than last quarter and then just keep going right so um you to hit that ceiling eventually, where it gets really, really difficult. Plus, also, it's like I feel like if you don't invest in your brand, also that means you are kind of constantly have to invest a lot on your demand capture side, to to which can does become quite expensive. At the end. Whereas over time, over years, as you build your brand, you then you know people start actually coming to you without actually the need to to do as much demand gen or demand capture, um, and again, like I said, we talked about earlier you can charge a premium because you are now an established well known brand, right? So um so you do need to to do both. And like if I when I talk to business owners, I usually try and explain that to say like there's basically two things we need to do in, in marketing. One is that first bucket, which is the we call it top of funnel. Some people refer to as mental availability or brand building. But it's like how do we how do we get increase our reach How do we reach more people? How do we build brand memories so that people actually get to know uh, and and, uh, consider and prefer our brand? And then the other bucket is really the availability. It's like once people are in market, we are super easy to find, try and buy our products. Right? So, and and I I think it's, you know, you you need both, especially also in B2B. Sometimes the feedback on the questions I get from from business owners say, yeah, but in B2B, we don't really need brand building. That's something for consumers. That's not true at all. Like we, we do need both there as well. And I was just thinking about, trying to think about some good examples in B2B brands that are doing this well. And, uh, you know, and it's because like some of the, the clients I met, you know, uh, one is, uh, you know, very industrial products. You say like, who, you know, who cares about branding in industrial products, right? But, but actually, within your category, we, like I said, we don't always all have to be a new Nike or Apple or famous brand like this. But like within your category, within your market, you should definitely build your brand, right? And one example I was thinking actually because I was driving home and we had some construction happening across the road here was the brand Caterpillar or Cat, uh, right? So even if you're not in construction, I'm sure you've seen their big uh, excavators and or bulldozers, right? These big yellow machines down on the road. Uh, on the construction sites. Um, super famous brand, uh, right? The cat were there. I think it's a, like a, a triangle on the brand. And they typically always, I think they're all yellow, right? So, um, so if, if you're in need of a new bulldozer or an excavator, right? Caterpillar is it, definitely a famous brand that you would think about, right? So let's say how, to, you know, if you go back to this two buckets, right? So that's really a company done really well in B2B to build a famous brand. And they do really well in terms of using what we call distinct brand assets right you see them everywhere everywhere you go you see these big yellow machines with the name cat cat on them right our caterpillar um so, so they've done really well in terms of building that brand and at the same time also um you know they've done great also in terms of their what we call the physical availability in terms of making the product easy to to buy and try and, and you not know, try but easy to buy right um, so, give an example. Like so, mm. availability is it's not just you can say, you know, the consumers you usually think about it as when you go down to the grocery shop and you need to buy milk or eggs, the product is actually available on your shelf, and it's easy to find, right? But in B two B, often we one way to make your product available is through search, right? So when I go to Google search, I can find the product, I can come to your website, and it's super easy on your website to buy the product. Right? But sometimes also we need to think about things like packaging, pricing. So you can say a product like Caterpillar. I mean, I don't, I'm not that familiar with it, but I don't know what they cost, but I would imagine they are probably very expensive machinery. Right. So maybe if you are a small uh, construction company, you say, Love to have one of those bulldozers for my next project, but I just don't have maybe a million dollars. I don't know what they cost. Right. But if you look at, if you go to Caterpillar's website, you'll see they actually also do leasing. Right, so if I just have a small project, I actually don't need to buy the machine. I can just lease it for my next project, right? So that's a great way of saying, as a, probably a smart marketer there, who says that how do we make the product, you know, available to the customers in a way that more so we can reach a bigger market, more people can, can use our product, right? So I think that's the the last piece, is sets the physical availability is as marketer, how do we make the product available to as many people as possible? And I think the key thing here is. Um, As a brand, for a brand to grow, you always need to look at how do we get basically more customers to use our product, right? So your brand size is basically determined determined on the the number of customers you have, right? So you should always look at how do I expand that? So of course, typically we look at how do I get customers from my competitors? But you should also look at uh, what you can call non-consumers, people who are not currently consuming your type of products. is there a way for us to make the product available to them so they actually can use the product? Right. And I think Caterpillar is a good example. They say there's probably smaller construction firm. We say like it, we it's just not you know available to us because we can't afford to buy our own such a product. But by making it available through leasing or, or rental, suddenly then I can actually also use the product. So now I've, I can increase my my brand reach. I can reach people who in the past couldn't use this product. Now I have increased my market rate. So as, as marketers we need to kind of work on those two the branding and the availability
0: sounds good i i like how you wrap up with giving us a uh, two key summary uh whereby we need to actually have a balance of investment in brand investment in ability availability building up the brand memories uh building a brand awareness then the brand memories and Ultimately, also invest in the bottom of the funnel to make sure the physical availability is there. That includes not just it is available, uh, but if we do the pricing and the packaging, right, we can potentially increase the market, uh, as you mentioned, include a non-consumer and not just the competition competition customer in this case. Uh, This is definitely a very insightful episode um, Henrik. I'm very, very glad to have this, uh, second round with you. I've learned so much more and for the audience, um, if you like this episode, please, uh, make sure you leave a review for us so that other listeners can also have a better way, uh, to find this as well. Once again, thank you Henrik for joining us and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you so much for listening. If you find this valuable, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Also, please consider giving us a rating or leaving us a review because this really can help other listeners to find the podcast. You can find all the episodes or learn more about this podcast at wasp.ai. See you in the next episode.